Final words, last words of someone before they die are pretty important, don't you think? Those are pretty important words, right? I heard the story about a guy who had his final words that were written on his tombstone. Those words were, I told you I was sick. And I thought, those are kind of important words. (laughs) Somebody should have paid attention to that guy, helped him out a little bit. So uh, we're looking, uh, I'm sorry, it cracked me up. We're looking at... uh, (laughs) We're looking at some of the final words of Jesus. And these words, as recorded in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, go and make disciples, these are some of his final words. There are two sets of final words of Jesus. One is here in Matthew chapter 28. The other one is Acts 1.8, where Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So both of these passages, both of these sets of final words of Jesus have to do with being on mission. They have to do with going. So we should pay special attention to final words, right? And so that's why I said last week that this is really clear for you and me. I mean, our lives are meant to be on mission with God. And we've got to figure out what that looks like and what that means for our everyday lives. And I just want to say I'm so proud of the way that so many of you have incorporated this idea. Even last week as we launched Being on Mission, many of you did that thing of embracing uncertainty and meeting a stranger. I heard two stories last night of people who were kind of iffy about it but prayed and God provided an opportunity and that's the way it works. So we're going to continue the discussion today. We're going to look at another on-mission attitude. We're going to look at another on-mission action. And last week, we talked about embracing uncertainty. We talked about meeting that stranger. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look again at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Let's read it. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now remember, these are final words. Uh, He's going to say another thing a few days from now, but he's going to ascend into heaven. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's start by understanding this moment. Remember, this is the resurrected Christ, and he is appearing before his disciples. This moment is so important. First of all, it's a moment of empowerment. Jesus says here, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's reclaiming, exclaiming his authority as Messiah, as the Son of God, as God himself, and he is yet transferring authority to you and me. So God, in essence here, he is is authorizing us. He is deputizing us. He is empowering us to achieve this great mission. Remember, this is the great commission, not the great suggestion. It's an imperative that we are to go and to make disciples of all nations, which really leads to the next kind of part of this moment. It's a moment of vision, and that vision is surrounded by the word ethne. Ethne, that's the Greek word in the original language. We get our English word ethnic from it. Jesus was saying something very important, that this was to be a movement beyond the Jews and really beyond Jerusalem, but it was to be to other people groups. That's what it really means. Not nations, it's translated nations, but it really means other people groups. So groups of people that have similar, similar cultural characteristics. And we all have people groups. 
We all have mission fields, if you will, that we can reach, people groups that have similar characteristics. That may be people in our neighborhood. It may be people in our work. Uh, it may be your, your basketball team, the kids and the parents that you coach. Those are people groups. So identifying what those groups are, Jesus is saying, go and reach them. Here, here's the million-dollar question, though, is how? Okay, you want me to go and reach and disciple all of these people groups, the people groups that you've given me to reach, how? Well, I want you to turn in Matthew chapter 9 now. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to see a summary. We're going to see a text of Scripture that paints a picture of how Jesus went so that you and I, you and I can know how to go ourselves. Verses 35 and 36, Matthew chapter 9, here's what it says. And Jesus went. There it is. Jesus went. Okay, he's going. How did he go? Throughout all the towns and cities teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, in this passage, there are three noun-verb agreements that paint a picture of how you and I are also to go as he went. First of all, Jesus went. Verse 35, it says it very clearly, Jesus went. Now, this is not just the location of his body. Yes, he was itinerant. He traveled around. But, but this goes to a deeper, uh, much more important issue. It was the orientation of his heart to go to people. His heart was bent toward others. So when it says that Jesus went, yeah, that was about his location, but it was more than that. It was his orientation. It was his mindset that he would go and be available to others, that he would go to where they are is the idea. Not just sit and wait and stay, but to go. That orientation is so important. How did he go? It says two things here. He, he went proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What is that? Words of truth. He spoke words of truth as he went, but also healing every disease and sickness. Words of truth, but also deeds of love. So you have the message and the ministry. And you shouldn't have one without the other. You should have words of truth, certainly, but those must be accompanied by deeds of love. And so if we, if we have the message without the ministry, all that we're doing is proclaiming truth. Without grace, without caring. But if we have the ministry without the message, all we're doing is being nice. And we're not sharing the, the good news, the gospel of Christ. So those two things are highly important. This is how Jesus went, message and ministry. Secondly, it says in this passage that not only did he go, Jesus went, but Jesus saw. Verse 36, Jesus saw. He stopped to ponder those that he went to. He paid attention to them. There was intentionality there as he looked and he saw. This is not just a glance. The ideal here is that he had a mental image of them in his mind. So Jesus saw, and then finally it says, the end of verse 36, Jesus loved. It says in verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion, not frustration. Not that they were an interruption to his day, but he had compassion on them. He felt compassion, and he actually did something as far as loving them. So this week's on-mission attitude is no one left behind. 
No one left behind. Last week was embrace uncertainty. In fact, what I'd like for us to do again is I'd like for you to look at your message outline, turn it to the back of the message outline, and I'd like to read again these on-mission attitudes. I'm hoping that we can just really get these into the DNA of our lives, that we will become people who embrace all these attitudes to be on mission and that we will be a church on mission because of so. So on-mission attitude number one, embrace uncertainty, accepting any divine appointments that God has for us in life. And again, I heard stories about this this week. I had one myself. I was so excited. About a week ago, I drove by a house in our neighborhood, and I I just happened to catch that house for some reason. I think God drew my attention to it. And I prayed for the people in the house and just kind of kept driving. And then came back later and kind of looked again and prayed for the people. This week, God provided this spontaneous, right, opportunity where I was able to meet the man of that house. And it was totally random, right, totally coincidental. <laughs> but God provided that opportunity for me. And now I'm praying. I'm praying for Lewis. And I'm, I'm praying for an opportunity to, to minister to him and maybe share with him. So very specific answers to prayer. This is what we're experiencing, okay? Next, no one left behind. What does it mean? A commitment to find a way to meet someone's need when we discover it. Find a way to meet that need when we discover it. Next, laser focus, putting the priority of being an authentic disciple first in my life. That I'm first a follower of Christ. And that priority drives every other aspect of my life. Next, choose to belong. When the Christian life becomes inconvenient, I must choose to belong to the process of spiritual growth, to engage the opportunities God provides for ministry, and to remain loyal to my spiritual family, the church. So when I'm tempted to check out, no, I will choose to belong. I will stick. I will stay. And then finally, no one alone. No one alone. If we see someone alone and excluded, this is automatically God's invitation to reach out to them. These are the on-mission attitudes. So if we are to be an on-mission follower of Christ, we must do as Jesus did because he was on mission. What does that mean? What does that look like? It means three things, and we just looked at it. It means, first, if we're an on-mission believer, we are to be about going. Going. Right out beside the word going, the word proximity. Proximity. So we're talking about a lifestyle, a life. Like Jesus led. Now, you remember that Jesus had, as his closest friends, almost family here on this earth, his 12 disciples, right? He was very close. He had close relationship with them. But he also built relationship with those who were outside of faith. Remember, Jesus was called a friend of sinners, a friend of sinners. And, and he, he was maligned for building relationship with tax collectors and sinners. So if we're to do what Jesus did, we must build relationships ourselves, authentic relationships, ongoing relationships with those who are outside of faith. And you may think that odd for a preacher to be saying that, but it's exactly what Jesus did, and we are to do what he did. Sincere relationships, ongoing relationships with those who need Christ. So we're to go, we're to see, we're to love. The key is to go. That, that's, that's the key choice that we must make because when we go, then what happens? We're able to see. And when we see, maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to love, to go as he went, to see as he saw, to love as he loved. We tend to want to surround ourselves with only people who think like us, with only Christians, right? I think many Christians would really be happy to live in an only Christian world. 
Right? They go to the Christian mechanic. They get the Christian haircut. I don't know what that looks like, but they shop at the Christian grocery store. Like it has sanctified lettuce or something, you know. To insulate and isolate ourselves from the very world that God has called us to reach. And I want to say really clearly, it is not God's will for us to completely isolate ourselves from this world that we live in. Why? Because we have a mission. How can we achieve this mission if we're not building relationships with those outside of faith? We can't. We must go to them. George McLeod wrote a book many, many years ago. It's a great book. And in this book um, is a statement he makes that I'd like to read for you because it illustrates what we're talking about here. He says this, I simply argue that the cross should be raised at the center of the marketplace as well as on the steeple of the church. I am reclaiming, I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles but on a cross between two thieves on the town's garbage heap at a crossroad so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, at the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died for and that is what he died about. That is where churchmen ought to be and what churchmen ought to be about. We've got to be about this. And I know it's more comfortable and safe to be around those that are just like us. But we're not doing what Jesus wants us to do if we do. All right? So going, if we're going to be an on-mission Christian, Christian, we must also be about seeing. Seeing. Now remember, to go first, that's the key, putting ourselves in a context. If we don't get in the context, if we don't make those relationships, then we're unable to see. Right out beside the word seeing, this phrase, noticing needs. Noticing needs. Needs. And I'm just convinced that there are needs that people have all around us that are coming our way. And because we're self-absorbed and we're preoccupied and we're busy, we just don't notice. I think there's a level of love in just noticing people. A couple of years ago, we were on vacation at the beach. And um, I was frustrated for some reason. I don't remember what it was, but I think we were running late. I'm like, you know, daylight's burning. We've got to get out to the beach. We've got to achieve this, this mission. <laughs> so, and you know, how it is, trying to get all the family out of the room and out. And so I'm carrying this, I'm kind of like a pack mule. I'm carrying a cooler and I'm packed down and we're, I'm sweating like a dog. We're heading out to the beach and we've got to get to the beach. That's the mission, right? And so um, Tammy and I are walking and then there's a man who kind of, begins to come up beside us and walking in the same direction. And she says hello to him, and he says hi back. And he begins being kind of inquisitive, ask us where we're from. And she talks to him and asks him where he's from. And uh, said, do you like this beach? Yeah, we love this beach. You know, he said, yeah, you know, we, we have come here for like 25 years. He said, but my wife just passed away from cancer a few weeks ago. And so I'm here by myself now. And the conversation just kind of continues. And, you know, I'm still just being the pack mule and getting to the beach. And I set up stuff and I sit down and God brings to my memory what just happened probably three or four minutes ago. And this rush of awareness came upon me. And I'd like to say that 
as your pastor, I engaged that moment and I talked to him and maybe prayed with him, maybe shared Christ with him, but I didn't because I was all about what I was doing. Totally oblivious to the fact that God brought this individual right there, like dropped it in my lap. Didn't even make it hard. And I totally blew it. So I'm praying there on the beach and I'm looking around for the guy. And of course I don't see him. And God brings that to my memory every once in a while. I pray for this guy, praying that somebody more sensitive, maybe more spiritual, would uh, be willing to talk to him. Praying that he'd heard the good news of Christ. So we've got to be about seeing as we go. Finally, loving. Loving. If we're going to be an on-mission Christian, We've got to be about loving people. And right out beside that, the phrase, do something. I want to remind you that love is not a noun. It is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's an action. We need to go about doing something as a way of loving other people. Remember, no one left behind. That's a commitment to find a way to meet someone's need when we discover it. So here's here's our on-mission action. We're giving these actions just so we're not blowing smoke here. Very specific actions for us each and every week. Here's the action. Make a move. Make a move. And let's all do this together. This week, we're going to make a move towards someone that God brings into our life to show them love in some way, and to meet a need in some way. And here's how it begins. I want to ask you, first of all, as we march into this new week, to each and every morning pray. It all begins with prayer. In fact, we were talking last night. We had a couple of stories last night of people who were reluctant to kind of engage that, and then they prayed, and God provided. Pray the how-who prayer. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, doesn't it? The how-who prayer. Here's the how-who prayer. Pray it every morning. God, how do you want to use me today and who do you want me to love? You get up every morning and then you watch and you wait. You will see God answer that prayer. And it's going to be exciting to hear all about that every, every day. You know, it's such a more mature prayer. Instead of praying God bless me to pray God use me. We pray a lot of God bless me's. How about a God use me? So after we pray, then what? Just go. Just go. All right? Do something. Remember Nike was famous for what? For just do it. Right? What was the idea there? Get off, get off the couch. Quit talking about it and go and exercise. Just do it. And that's what we're saying. Hey, quit talking about it. And at a point, stop praying about it and just do it. Just go for it. And there are multiple ways for us to go this week, okay? Multiple ways in our lives for us to go. And I want to share with you those three ways. First of all, go with your treasure. Go with your treasure. The resources, the financial resources that God has given you is one way that we can go. When you tithe to your church, you are helping us become a going church, You're leveraging resources so that we can be about achieving this great commission as well. But beyond your tithe, to find ministries here and there that you can support, ministries that are sharing the gospel, that are are doing what God said to do here in the great commission. One of those ministries we're very proud of 
It's called Compassion International. You saw the table set up out in the lobby. Remember a couple of years ago when we had our 20th anniversary, we had the Compassion Experience. Many of us sponsored children from Peru. And uh, this, is, this is International Compassion Day. Across the globe, churches are highlighting the ministry of compassion. And we want to do that as well. So we've got a video that briefly explains and tells the story of the ministry of Compassion International. I'd like for you to see it. We, we love this ministry and are so proud to partner with them. We've got a link on our website. You'll see out in the lobby that you can sponsor children. We're focusing as a church on Peru. And I traveled there a couple of years ago. And I was able to talk to one a kid who was um, in the slums of Lima and who came out of the Compassion Program. He was in college in the university. He was studying engineering. He just said over and over, through the translator to me, where would I be without compassion? Where would I be without compassion? And uh, it makes a difference. 38 bucks a month, you know, you can help a kid get education, clothing, um, medical help, and also hear the gospel. And that's, uh, that's a great investment. So we go through our treasure. We also go through our talents. We go through our talents, Right. You have abilities. You can roll up your sleeve. We all have abilities that God has given us. We can help in certain ministries. One of the ways that we're going to roll up our sleeves soon is we're going to go to uh, Houston Welcomes Refugees on May the 20th. Go Saturday. There's all the information that's there in the program. You can go as family. It'd be great to bring your kids, a small group, friends. Go down there together and serve and find out about this great ministry and help them for a couple of hours. So you can serve with your treasure, you can serve with your talents, and you can serve with your time. And serve with your time. And I want to read for you now, as we close, um, a portion of an article that was written by a man who, at one point in his time, at one point in his life, had absolutely no interest in God. And he had a neighbor who was a Christian, and they had sort of a neighborly relationship But this man's wife developed an aggressive form of cancer. In three months, she was given to live, and she eventually passed away. And here's the letter that the husband wrote about about his neighbor. He says, I was in total despair. He says, I went through the funeral preparations, and in the service, it was like I was in a trance. Then after the service, I went to the path along the river, and I walked all night. But I did not walk alone. My neighbor, who was afraid for me, I guess, he stayed with me all night. He did not speak. He did not even walk beside me. He just followed me. And when the sun finally came up that morning over the river, he came over to me and he said, let's go get some breakfast. He says, I go to church now. I go to my neighbor's church. A religion that can produce that kind of caring and love that my neighbor showed me is something I want to find out more about. I want to be like that. I want to love and to be loved like that for the rest of my life. Not only does going make a difference in the people to whom we go, it makes a difference in us. And we get to experience the true, true blessing of being used by God. There's no greater joy. It's what we've been put on this earth for. So, Jesus went. Will we go? Jesus saw. Will we see? Jesus loved. Will we love? 
Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for the great privilege it is to be a part of your mission on this earth of drawing men and women and boys and girls unto you. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, we would um, come to question our lifestyle and come to question some of the assumptions that we have about our lives and look at the patterns of our lives in such a way that we could transcend them and have the courage and faith to align ourselves with what you are doing in this world and to experience the great joy of joining you in that work to be used by you. And I pray that this week especially you would help us, that we could embrace the attitude of no one left behind, and that we could indeed, God, see needs and then find a way, commit ourselves to find a way to meet those needs. So give us the courage to make a move this week. We're excited about all that you're going to do, God, and all that you're doing. And allow us, God, at the end of the day, to give you all the glory for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.